about joy tonight, um, but before I jump in, are you guys doing good? Everybody doing good? Um, such a sweet presence in here tonight. I felt like I had some words, so is it all right if I release some words? Okay, so if you're wearing, I had a couple of these, if you're wearing like a Hawaiian shirt or a floral shirt, stand up. Like if your shirt has flowers or like Hawaii on it, Guys, this is kind of weird. There was a lot of Hawaiian action going on tonight. I don't know if anybody else noticed. Okay. Um, I just, I felt like that meant that I am about to get a free trip to Hawaii. (laughs) Yes, Lord. He's speaking to me. He's ministering to me. Okay, no, what I really felt like is that you're in a fun season that God is just taking you into a season that is, is fun and that you're entering his rest. And, man, I love Hawaii. It's like I've been, I don't know how many times, a lot. But um, for me, in, in Hawaii, like, there's something about Hawaii where I don't feel like I have to, like, fight for atmosphere. Like, I just get there, and it's, like, happy. And I feel this peace and this ability to rest. And I've had the craziest God encounters in Hawaii, like swimming with dolphins and seeing wild whales and things that matter to me. And so I felt like um, another thing I felt like over you guys is that the Lord was releasing each of you from a burden of responsibility. Does that resonate with anyone? from like a false sense of weightiness. And basically I felt like the Lord said, it doesn't mean like, obviously it doesn't mean that your responsibilities are gonna stop, but it's gonna be like, you're gonna learn how to operate in your responsibilities as if you're like on vacation mode. So I just bless you guys with that. I bless you with trips to Hawaii. I bless you with, for you and you and you. No, and I just bless you guys with rest, being able to operate in his rest and his joy in the responsibilities that he's given you. Okay, and then the next group of people, if you're wearing a yellow shirt or an orange shirt. Look at this little row right here. Little Erica sandwich. (laughs) Um, Okay, and man, Brittany, you're just getting slammed. Okay, nobody in the balcony, orange and yellow. Okay, I see you guys up there. Well, this was just kind of obvious, but I looked over and saw you guys standing there, and I just feel like that you're coming into a season of encounter. I felt like God is releasing, like, life-changing encounters over you. Like, not just like, yeah, I felt God in worship, but he's releasing, like, encounters that you're going to talk about for the rest of your life. So I just bless you guys. Um, And I just feel like he's saying, uh, like, this is obvious, but that you're his burning ones. And so I bless you with a life-changing encounter this week. In Jesus' name, I bless you that things will never be the same again after this week. In Jesus' name, amen. You too. I feel like Oprah. And you get an encounter, and you get a trip to Hawaii. Okay, Erica, you want to jump up here for a second? Oh, Jesse, do we have a second mic? I'll give you a minute for that. Okay, um, is there anybody here named Stephanie? Anyone here named Stephanie? <gasps> hey, Stephanie. Okay, does 818 mean anything to you? August 18th or, or 818, do those numbers mean anything? 8 means something? Okay. Um, 
basically, okay, this is really weird, but when I heard, when I heard your name, I heard 818, and then I saw a picture of toothpaste, and I was like, God, why are you showing me that? But I felt like God was just saying that you're white as snow. And I felt like he was just declaring over you that you've been cleansed. Um, And he's just taking you into a new season of walking in that identity. Like you've heard that truth your whole life, but he's going to take you into a season where you're going to see that in a way like never before. And what does eight mean to you, can I ask? Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and I just want to pray over William. God, we just bless William. God, we bless the destiny that's on his life. And Lord, we thank you that he came into this world under grace, grace, grace. And so, Father, I release a fresh season of grace over him. I bless his sleep. I bless his growing, and I just declare over him that he will be like you, Jesus, that he'll grow in wisdom and in favor with God and man in Jesus' name, and we just bless the destiny on William's life in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, so um, this is Erica. I just felt like I was supposed to pull her up here and see what she hears for you guys. So the first word I have is for you curly hair dress. Yes. (laughs) What's your name? Talitha. Um, So when I saw you, I actually saw the name Olivia, and so I looked up the meaning, and it means an olive branch. And what I felt like that means for you is that you're just a huge carrier of peace, like peace and reconciliation. And I feel like God was saying that there's just a strength in your peace and this like sense of calm that you bring. And I feel like even anybody around you, uh, like they feel that and the people are, they are nodding their heads. So yes. Um, and I felt like God was saying that you will speak truths that will help restore order and alignment. And so a lot of people have like, just does that make sense to you? <laughs> There's a lot of people, including myself sometimes, deal with just like a storm of thoughts. And it's swirling and can't make sense out of anything, and even just being around you, like, restores order. And there's going to be, um, when you do that, there will be an impartation of the peace that you carry so that that does not plague people anymore. Because I'm telling you, people's thoughts are plagued by that stuff. And um, you're going to put an end to it. So I just bless you with that. (laughs) Do Do you know what your name means? Okay. I felt like maybe it meant something with peace. And then second one, in the green sweater, yes. What's your name? Isabel? Isabella? I felt, I mean, the second I saw you, God said dynamite comes in small packages. And I felt like God said that you are just incredibly influential and that even a lot of times your influence will come without speaking a word. Just because you're going to, like, model something bigger than what's going on in our world right now. So even if it's something like there's people that are engaging in gossip and you don't participate in it, it's going to call them higher because there's just going to be something on you that like demands people's respect, if that makes sense. It's going to shift them into a higher level of thinking than maybe even what their groups or what their culture has taught them to do. And it's actually going to help them also become who they're supposed to be. And... Yeah, I just feel like um, 
the verse that I got for you is, I hear the Lord saying, I will stay close to you, instructing and guiding you along the pathway of your life. I will advise you along the way and lead you forth with my eyes as your guide. And I just feel like even in the times where you feel like you don't know where he is or you're not hearing him, like you just naturally hear him so much more than you think. Mm. And so if you just get still and get quiet, I promise you, even if it's just one word, you're going to hear from him and it's going to be something that shifts, helps shift you and helps you like restore peace too, if that makes sense. So good. Thank you, Erica. Um, a couple more really quick. Is there a Gary in here? Is there a Gary? Okay. Um, and then the last one, I just want to pray over you. If you, I heard the word crushed. So like if you've been in a season where it's just felt like there's a lot of pressure, it could be job, relationships. I feel like it's a group of people. But anyway, if you just want to stand up, if you feel like you've been kind of crushed, there's been a lot of pressure lately in your life. So I heard this verse. It says, though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed. At times we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. I want you to say quitting is not an option. We are persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but not out. We continually share in the death of Jesus in our own bodies so that the resurrection life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. We consider living to mean that we are constantly being handed over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus will be revealed through us. Sorry, through our humanity. So then death is at work but in us, but it releases life in you. And so I just declare the, the life of Jesus into your bodies right now. I declare the life of Jesus into your minds, into your spirits, into your emotions. And I just declare over you that you are not quitters. And I just declare over you that you are well able to overcome this. And I ask just for Holy Spirit, just for your wind to blow, just strength into them right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. All right. Let's jump in. So last week I shared a verse. Actually, did Dave leave? Dave Hornberger? Oh, that's what happens when you leave early. Okay. Jokes, jokes. I'm being funny, okay? There's freedom in this place. Um, I shared this verse last week. It says, then my fears will dissolve into limitless joy. My whole being will overflow with gladness because of your mighty deliverance. This is Psalm 35, verse 9. Um, Okay, and then I have to skip around for just a second, though. I was going to brag on Kim for a minute because yesterday my kids are three. I have three-year-old twin girls, and I was like, what should I speak on tomorrow? And Charlie goes, Moses. I was like, we have a children's pastor. (laughs) My kids know these things. So anyway, I did not teach her about Moses. I teach her a lot of good things, but I haven't gotten to Moses yet, but Kim has. So anyway, just to piggyback off Jeff. So we're going to talk about joy tonight. Um, I'm going to start out like a teacher and give you just some definitions of joy. And I'll share some points and some stories, and then we're going to do some ministry. Sound good? Okay, so joy, one of the first definitions says, the passion or emotion excited by the acquisition or the expectation of good. 
If you know me, you know that I like hope is such a life message to me. And I just want to say that you don't have to wait for the good thing to happen to step into joy. You can have joy just at the expectation that good is coming. Joy is a delight of the mind from the consideration of the present or the assured approaching possession of good. We can take joy because we know. Do you know that this book is filled with promises of him and him being good to you? Like we can take part in joy even if our circumstances aren't great because we know that he's going to work all things together for our good. A glorious and triumphant state. That, that comes from when Jesus, when it says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Jesus knew he was, he was going to the cross, the horror of the cross, but for the joy set before him, which is you and I, he was able to take possession of the assured approaching good. Does that make sense? He was able to take joy take possession of joy. So the message of joy isn't just for those of us, which I don't know if it's anyone in this room, that everything's going great. There's something all of us are facing, and that is what joy is for. Joy is for us even before we get to our breakthroughs. Joy can also be a verb. English people, come on. Um, it says in, in Habakkuk, I will joy in the God of my salvation. So joy is a noun, but joy is also a verb. And I think it's fascinating that it says, I will joy in the God of my salvation. Because we're going to talk about how we can't really get a hold of joy without him. Apart from him, we can't access true joy. Okay, I have some good news for you. No one can take your joy. It says in, where are we? Okay, sorry. This is in John, but I don't have the chapter. <laughs> 22, I think it's 16. Yeah, it says, so you will also, so John 16, 22, this is the Passion Translation. So you will also pass through a time of intense sorrow when I am taken from you, but you will see me again, and then your hearts will burst with joy with no one being able to take it from you. When I was about 22, I was in counseling and uh, working through some stuff, and uh, the, I said, I don't know what I said. I think I said, this person makes me so mad. Anybody else ever said that? Anybody else get fiery? And the counselor said, well, with his hands folded, he said, actually, nobody can make you feel something. I was like, oh, you don't know. You just don't know. And sometimes, like, Chuck will, will say that to me. Like, he'll, he'll remind me of that graciously. Um, but that's the truth, really. In our emotions, people can't make you feel something. Like, we get a choice in our emotions, and nobody can take your joy away from you. You have to give it away. Um, another reason joy is important is because joy draws people into the kingdom. Psalm 126. You can turn there if you want. It says, it was like, a dream come true when you freed us from our bondage and brought us back to Zion. We laughed and laughed and overflowed with gladness. We were left shouting for joy and singing your praises. And listen to this. All the nations saw it and joined in saying, the Lord has done great miracles for them. 
They just looked at them and saw their joy, and it was a tool for evangelism. It drew people into the kingdom. I'm sorry, guys. I wish I had a visor I could pull down. I'm doing good. I'm not getting thrown off by Lisa's sunglasses today. <laughs> Nobody can take my joy. Um, but that's why, it, that's another reason that joy is important. Like if people look at church and they just see us as all these people who are depressed and, and, and heavy and weighed down, people are not going to want to come to church. I'm not, I'm not saying you can't be real and you can't have emotions and you can't process grief and have seasons of sadness, but joy is supposed to be a huge part of our gathering. Joy is supposed to be a huge part of who we are. And so much so that people will look at us and they will say, I want to be a part of that because these people are so happy. And then it says in Isaiah 61, look at this, look what I got. Anybody else have this yet? Okay, so Isaiah came out in the Passion Translation. So y'all can just listen, because I'm the only one that has it in the room. <laughs> For you, a passion translation. <laughs> okay. It's so good, I want to read you all of it. Okay. Um, I'm going to start in verse 2. I am sent to announce a new season of Yahweh's grace. Anybody else need that? I will take it. And a time of re- recompense. Recompense. I look at Kelly. I'm like, help me. No, I wanted you to. To comfort all who are in sorrow, to strengthen those crushed in despair who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful bouquet in place of ashes, the oil of bliss instead of tears, and the mantle of joyous praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. Because of this, they will be known as mighty oaks of righteousness planted by Yahweh as a living display of his glory. Anybody want the oil of bliss instead of your tears? Yeah, me too. Okay, y'all ready for story time with Anna? So I've been just, I don't know how much of this I've like really even shared. So it might be repeat for some of you, but it's okay. Um... So I was born, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I got saved when I was really little. When I was four years old, my mom told me about Jesus, and I'm so practical, if you know me at all, that I was like, sounds like a good deal, yeah. I'll have him, he can come in my heart. And my mom said, okay, well, let's go celebrate. And I said, can we go to Chuck E. Cheese? And my mom said, I was thinking more like McDonald's. That was my first disappointment, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) When I came into the kingdom, but I recovered. Um, so we lived in Dallas at the time, and when I was a freshman in high school, we moved uh, to a small East Texas town. So I went from having like four targets 10 minutes away to living in a town of 2,000 people. We didn't even have a Walmart. They have Walmart now, and they have Chili's. Um, there's a little more hope. No, I'm just kidding. So. It was crazy. It was actually a really hard year. It's hard to move your freshman year of high school. And then you move to a small town where everybody knows each other and everybody's dad owns something in town and you have no connection to this place. So it was a hard year, but God just so used it in incredible ways. But 
I met this like really sweet group of girls and they invited me to like a conference at their church. And so I grew up in, I grew up very Southern Baptist, like Southern Baptist light. And um, so I go to this conference with these girls and I don't even know what all happened. I mean, first of all, somebody put oil in my bangs. Bangs are like a bad idea for me in the first place because I have so many calyx. If I ever forget that, y'all remind me. I haven't tried them in over a decade. Gotten some wisdom. So they anointed me with oil, and so the rest of the night, I'm like wiping olive oil out of my bangs. And I'm like, where am I? These are the only friends I can find. No, I'm just kidding. These girls are super great. Actually, I'm still friends with all of them, but And then the next thing I know, I'm sitting there, and my friend is, like, talking in another language that I don't understand. And I'm like, this is really weird. What is happening to me? I want to go back to Dallas. So I go home that night, and my mom's, like, a Bible study teacher, and she's written tons of Bible studies. And so I talked to her, and my mom was like, well, we think that, well, she was like, well, she actually was super great at having a discussion about it, but just basically was like, some people think that those gifts don't exist anymore. And I was like, I am one of those. <laughs> I was like, I don't know, but that was weird. So that happened when I was 15 and actually like still have a relationship with all those girls and they're amazing. Um, so then after high school, did a year of college and uh, decided that I wanted, to, I heard there was YWAM in Hawaii. And so Hawaii. <laughs> so I said I wanted to go. And at first my dad was like, no. And then about a year later, he was like, actually, if you want to go, you can go. And I was like, okay, let's do this. So I did YWAM, and YWAM was a really good, like, just a bridge for me because you get to be with people that come from, like, all different backgrounds, and your common denominator is that you love Jesus. And so I had a lot of conversations with people about the Holy Spirit and was just kind of in this slow groove of of getting to know the Holy Spirit and eventually um, got prayed over, and I started talking in a different language. (laughs) And but I knew it was God, and that I I just have always been hungry. And you know what? Hunger really can carry you, because hunger says I don't care what it looks like, but I want more of you. So um, in 2008, I did a really crazy thing and moved to D.C. and joined a prayer team that prayed for America mostly all night long. Um, so in that season, I went to a meeting, and uh, John Mark McMillan was there, and uh, Corey Russell from IHOP, and, and things were happening around me, and again, I was like, this is weird, what's going on, things I wasn't used to, and so on our way home, I'm like cramped in a friend's SUV with other friends, and I was talking about, I think I might have been talking about like dancing, and so our team had a lot of prophetic words about like dancing, releasing stuff, even with the government, and so, but I, I had like a hard time dancing, and basically my friend just said, I think you have a lot of fear, <laughs> and he was right, and so I just started to like process that with the Lord, and time went on, we went down to the Lake Revival when it was happening, and Um, got ministered to there, came back, and our team leader was like, I think we're supposed to minister to each other tonight and and see kind of like what the Lord gave us in Lakeland. Is this making sense to y'all? Are y'all all with me? So, um, so I actually just like, I kneeled down on the floor, uh, the stinky carpet, the prayer room floor, 
in the middle of Washington, D.C., and I basically said, basically prayed Luke 11, 13, and I said, you know, it says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to good gifts, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So I basically said, Father, I believe that you're good, and I repented for rejecting the Holy Spirit. And just basically gave God permission to touch me however he wanted. And so I got back up, and I uh, was just standing there. I mean, it, and it was always crazy. This is probably 3 a.m. or something. But, and my friend Brett starts walking towards me, and we called Brett the tank. He was actually a real skinny guy, but the way that he, like, carried the Holy Spirit was like, you just had no chance, no chance. So <laughs> Brett comes to pray for me, and he puts his hand on my head. And then he, like, I, I fall out, I lay back, and he kind of just lays me on the ground. And the next thing I know, I am laughing hysterically. And I'm sitting there going, I don't know how this fits in my theology, but I know this is you, and I know this isn't me. And I was filled with joy, because that's what the Holy Spirit likes to do. He loves to fill us with joy. And so, that like, for weeks, I feel like... I probably had the best abs of my life because I would just lay on the floor with my friend Lisa, my sweet Canadian friend Lisa, unsuspecting Lisa, and we would just get filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. It was amazing. And um, I would lay there and like God's presence would feel so heavy. I was like, I don't really know if I could get up right now. If you haven't experienced that, I challenge you to ask the Lord to experience that. And I would lay on the floor, and my friends would be like, get up, we need to pray for someone. I'd be like, okay. <laughs> and all the performance fell off, all the shame fell off, all the weight of the world fell off, and I just felt the weight of his presence. It is the best feeling in the world. And I would lay there, and... And I would laugh, and it was as if I laid completely before him, and there was no shame. You know, like, sometimes we think that there's areas of our life that God can't see. Do you know what I'm talking about? Anybody else? But I laid before him, and there was no shame. Because that's what it's like in his presence. It says, those who look to him are radiant, and their faces are never covered with shame. When we are captivated with him, when we're captivated with his glory, there's no more room for shame. It takes us back to the garden where they were naked and unashamed because that's how we were designed to live. In a place completely free from shame. What else fell off was fear of man. There was so much fear of man. And I felt like it doesn't matter. When you get into that place of encounter with God and you're in that place, you don't really care what other people think anymore. And I remember lying on the floor laughing, and there was also other people that would kind of stand around the room, and I've been those people too, okay? No judgment. But they'd kind of look at us like, what happened to them? <laughs> They've lost their marbles. <laughs> But I decided over and over again, I don't care, God, I want more of you. More than anything else, I want more of you. So the first thing, if you remember how my story started in the prayer room, the first thing that happened is I surrendered. 
I basically said to God, you can touch me how you want to touch me. Let me tell you, we like control. All of us. Some of us are better at making it more passive than others, but we like control. And it's an over and over process of surrendering control if we actually want to live in joy, if we actually want to live in peace. It's a process over and over again of letting go and trusting that he's good to me. It says in John 15, 11, my purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy that I experience will fill your heart with overflowing gladness. So joy comes in dependence. When we're dependent on him, his joy is able to flow through us. And Jesus' joy was coming from the Father. And now he has sent the Holy Spirit so that we can access that joy and have connection to the Father. When you, <laughs> how many of you have like recently hit a point where you feel like, I can't do this. I just can't do this. Good. Because you're not supposed to. We were never created to do it without him. And when we try to do it without him is when we lose our peace and when we lose our joy. Turn to John 16. Verse 22. We already read through this, but I'm going to read it again. We're going to go farther this time. So, so will you also pass through a time of intense sorrow when I am taken from you, but you will see me again, and then your hearts will burst with joy and no one being able to take it from you. For here is eternal truth. When that time comes, you won't need to ask me for anything, but instead, you will go directly to the Father and ask him for anything you desire, and he will give it to you because of your relationship with me. Until now, you've not been bold enough to ask the Father for a single thing in my name, but now you can ask and keep on asking him, and you can be sure that you'll receive what you ask for, and your joy will have no limits. Anybody want that? Um, Jesse, you could get that ready for playing. So, I think it's, I mean, I don't know, I just, this may be silly, but the, the closest thing I can relate it to with our joy level is that joy, from John 16, it's about abiding in him. We get our joy in him. And so often, it's like we get to this point where we're like, where did my joy go? Well, probably somehow we chose, we're in him, but somehow we chose to disconnect from him. And I think um, this video kind of demonstrates it. Is it ready? I'm dying. Oh, we're dying. If you can hear us, honey, your father and I are dying. I'm dying. I'm dying. I'm dying. Does anyone have a charger? Yeah, just down here. Sorry, I'm dying. I'm dying. 
we forget. Like we we're created like that. We're never supposed to get to a point where we become independent of needing to be charged in him. That's not a point that we arrive at. In fact, I think that there's an increasing, and there's a way that we learn to abide that maybe looks different than before, but our, we're never supposed to grow out of needing him. We're actually growing into needing him and growing into learning how to relate to him in different, in different situations. And a lot of you, I feel like, myself included, are in this season where there's a pressing because God is upgrading you. There's this pressing because he's about to pour out double portions. And there's, there's a pressing because he wants you to know you need me. You need to be plugged into me. You know what's funny about being plugged in? When you plug something in, you lose a lot of your range of motion. You have to be still to be plugged in, which is so hard for us, right? A lot of us. We know that the Bible says to be still and know that he is God, but there is something in the stillness that equates his bigness and our smallness. What does it look like? How do we charge? For me, one of the things um, that I do is sometimes I just have to get really low. I don't know if you ever see me. Sometimes I lay on the floor up here, especially if Phil's on the keys, I'm dead. In a good way, though. Um, if I'm laying on the ground, that's actually not a bad thing. That means his, the weight of his presence is on me. And so sometimes that's what I have to do. I have to get below everything else that's happening in the room and other people's feelings or what's happening here, and I just have to shut it all down and get low. And then one of my exercise classes for the last 10 minutes, they have you just lay there. And I, like, I feel like every time I'm crying. Because it's like, as a mom with two little girls, like there's not a lot of time where I get to just be still and I'm not falling asleep. Um, but I, I lay there, and in the stillness, like I encounter his presence. And I, and I connect. It's like I reconnect to how I'm doing and to my connection to him and to his goodness to me. But to charge something, you often have to be still. And I think in that stillness, what I do is I often lay there and um, I just hold my hands open because what I'm doing is I'm exchanging the weight of the world for the weight of his presence. I, my like top strengths from the strength finder tests were um, a strategic achiever. Lord, help me. We got rid of our cable this week. And you know, I don't miss the cable. I'm just, it's bothering me that there's not a clock in my living room. And I'm like, what does that say about me? <laughs> yeah, it's like I haven't thought once, like, I want to watch a show on the cable. I've just thought, like, I wish I knew what time it was. <laughs> I know. I know. We will. I'll, am I'll Amazon that just right now. <laughs> Believe me, Chuck's like, what'd you order? I'm like, I don't remember. <laughs> I know all about Amazon Prime. But anyway, and I think that, like, we live in a culture that so celebrates 
constant movement, constant like, you know, like I remember when I was on bed rest, have I told y'all this before? I remember when I was on bed rest, like I was unfollowing all those fitness accounts. I was like, leave me alone. <laughs> I was like, I cannot blow dry my hair without having contractions. So leave a girl alone. But I don't know, like I just think, Obviously, like, we're created to be powerful and to do great things, but I feel like, and maybe it's just me, that our tendency is so much about our doing. Do more. Achieve more. Get more followers. Get more this. Get more that. And I think we're so frazzled. We're so afraid. We don't have peace. We don't have joy because we're not connected. And I'm not saying we aren't called to do things but we're not called to do them apart from him. And that's what you got to watch if you're wanting to steward your joy and steward your peace is how much of this is he with me on and how much of this am I just doing? And what does that look like for me? I mean, for me, once a week, I, I hold down Instagram and I delete it for a day. Might be longer for you, but it means like Instagram is not my motivator. It's not my... It doesn't tell me who I am. Is that just me or like anybody else? So you got to ask the Lord, like, what does it look like for me to be still? What does it look like for me to, to be in a place of abiding? Lord, what areas am I trying to do on my own? What areas am I striving in? Because it's not worth your peace. It's not worth your joy. And it, it might not even be, I mean, you need to know, like, what's the path that God has you on in this season? Because there's joy and there's peace in that. And for me, being a mom is going to look different than the person next to me. And if I'm trying to do what she's doing, I'm probably going to lose my peace and my joy because that's not me abiding. That's me striving. And one of the last things that I do in, in these situations, like when I feel like I'm losing my peace or I'm losing my joy and I lay down and I start to listen to my breath. I had like a stressful week a couple weeks ago and it, it felt like I held my breath for four days. Do you know that feeling? Like it's horrible. It's horrible. Like it, and that's not a place of peace and joy and rest. But sometimes I think Breathing, it just connects you to the fact that you began because he breathed, he breathed into you. This is how it all started. Amanda Cook has a song called, You're Giving Us Our Breath Back. <laughs> because when we're in a place of stress, we're in a place of anxiety, that's what happens. We start to hold our breath. And, and when we're holding our breath, it's not a place of hope. We're holding our breath like we're waiting for the other foot to drop, right? So when you feel like you've lost your joy, when you feel like you've lost your peace, I just encourage you to figure out, okay, how do I charge? What does it look like for me? And I encourage you to get still, to get low, to exchange the weight of the world for the weight of his presence, and to breathe. <laughs> um, Allie Dyer and I were walking out of somewhere the other night, and there was this girl there, and she was like 
really friendly, like overly friendly. And I think she probably had, I don't know how many drinks. <laughs> but I was thinking, isn't that funny? Like inebriated people don't really care what people think. Right? Anybody else ever seen this? I know no one has ever experienced it themselves. <laughs> but that's what his presence is supposed to do to us and his joy does to us is we are supposed to be so wrapped up in his joy that we are in that inebriated state. And it doesn't mean you always have to be walking around and be crazy and be weird. It doesn't mean all of that, but it means you're so aware of him. You're so aware of his presence, his joy and his peace that you don't really care what people think. So what do you need today? Do you need joy? Do you need peace? Do you need freedom from shame? Um, Zach, do you want to come back up? It's his presence that ushers us into those, into joy, into peace, into freedom from shame. And are you willing to surrender your expectations to experience a greater depth of intimacy with him? Can God touch you how he sees best? Because I shared a lot about, you know, experiencing joy and and being literally intoxicated in his presence. And it might look like that. It might look like peace. And it might look, look like all of a sudden this shame has lifted. This dark cloud has lifted. And so we're going to go back into worship. And I just want to encourage you. And I, oh, I forgot to share one thing that I think is important. Um, in my process with God, before having those encounters, what I, one thing I had to reconcile is that God is more than just cerebral. And if you've come out of a religious background um, in a lot of traditional churches, maybe God is only, like you've only let God affect your mind, which is one piece. But God wants to touch you, body, soul, and spirit. He's more than just cerebral. It's more than just your mind. So I think just as we go back into worship, um, I just want to pray over you guys and a couple other things. No, we're not going to do that. Are you good? All right, so if you guys want to stand up, if some, some of you, I feel like there is, is really, um, like you've really been in a season of anxiety, of a loss of joy, you haven't laughed in a while, I feel like there's some people here that you're like, I don't know the last time I laughed. And if that's you, I feel like you need to come forward. I want you to come up if you feel like you've been in one of those seasons and you want God to break that over you because a lot of times what happens is God calls us to step out. He calls us to surrender. He calls us to come into a place where we're laying it all down and then in exchange, he's gonna meet you. So if that's you, I want you to just come on forward and we're gonna worship for a minute.